0: Amen. It is good to be with you today, and uh, it's good to be a part of this church, and I'm excited to be here. And, uh, you know, Chris was telling you a little bit about our, our history. One of, the, one of the young men from the worship and the technology team said as we were leaving the back room before church, uh, uh, You guys look like you could be brothers. Or, or I could look like the guy that ate Pastor Chris. I don't, you know, one or the other, but I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, one of the things I appreciate about your pastor, about my pastor, is, um, you know, he's, he's Dr. Williams, and he could say, well, please, call me Dr. Williams. No, no, no. He could say, call me Reverend Dr. Williams, because he's that, okay? He is that. But I know for a fact this guy right here, any day of the week, would much more, called Pastor Chris because he has a heart for this church and a heart for God's people and I'm thankful for that and by the way I actually applied for this job when he did and I want to say if you're a if you're a part of the search committee thank you for not hiring me that's the guy right there praise the Lord that's right that's exactly right but it's good to be with you. Good to be with folks that are joining us online as well. And you know, we're and like Pastor Chris said, we are we're in Christmas time now. It's okay, Thanksgiving's over, and so we're starting to unpack. Some of, of course, some of you have had your Christmas tree up since like Halloween, but um, now we, we're starting to unpack. You know, we got to get our Christmas tree out of the basement. Yeah, we have an artificial, but it looks real, and we got to get it out of the basement. And it's time to start decorating, and it's time to unpack one of the my favorite parts of Christmas decorations, and that's the nativity set, or multiple nativity sets. We have quite a few of them that we that we uh, spread out throughout the house, and I've always loved nativity sets, even when I was a little kid. I just always loved them. I always loved to to to. Uh, you know, to get down to kind of the level of the, the, the nativity set and kind of imagine that I was part of the scene. And I watched my children as they were little and, and we had little sets that they were allowed, you know, that weren't made out of China or any kind of porcelain and, and they were allowed to play with those nativity sets and they would do that. And, and CJ, I remember what he would line them up and Kate would do that. And he would, he would arrange them all the way. And it was a, it was a wonderful thing. You know, of course, most nativity sets, we've got the animals. Uh, most nativity sets, you're going to have at least one camel, sometimes two. You're going to have a cow there, mo- most likely a donkey. You're going to have some sheep, of course. I mean, that's obviously a little, little bit fancier set. You might have some geese or some chickens that are part of your set. And, uh, and then, of course, we've got the people that, that are there. You know, we, we're going uh, to have the shepherds usually at least two sometimes a younger shepherd is going to be holding the sheep maybe has a sheep on his shoulders and you've got that guy and then we have the wise men now i'm sorry to burst your bubble anyone here but we do know historically that the wise men were not there necessarily they probably came to visit Jesus when he was like more like a toddler um, but still, they're such a big part of the Christmas story. They, they should be there, and I think that's a right thing. So we're not, we're not being heretics, but we have them there. And so we have all these, these members. You know, of course, we've got the angel that sits up top. Um, sometimes some, some nativity sets will have a star. And then, of course, we've got Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. Several years ago, my kids and I started to develop a Lego nativity set. And that's interesting, and that's a lot of fun. You can do some cool stuff with that. So my wise men, uh, one of them is Professor Dumbledore. Um, one of them is Gandalf, you know, from the Lord of the Rings. Um, let's see, we've got uh, Okoye from the Black Panther. She's part of the security detail, you know, for, for the wise men. I've got Aladdin. Disney's Aladdin. He's a, he's a stable boy, you know, carrying a bucket. So that's kind of cool. Um, let's see, I've got uh, one of the dwarves from the Lord of the Rings. That's, he's one of the shepherds. And, and Obi-Wan Kenobi makes a really good Joseph. <laughs> and then our baby Jesus is from a minifigure set. Um, uh, it's a Native American papoose, you know, where they, they would take the baby and, and swaddle them and wear them on their back. Well, that's baby Jesus, and it's, it's pretty cool. But you know what? Every nativity set that I've ever owned or every nativity set that I've ever seen is missing some important members of the Christmas story. No, I'm not talking about the elf on the shelf. Don't you dare. I'm not talking about Santa Claus or the Grinch. That's not who's missing in our nativity set. But it's two people, actually three people, that are a part of this Luke chapter 1 where we'll we'll be looking today. Luke chapter 1 is where we see the story of the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary. It's a big part of the Christmas story. But bookending that scene is the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth who are the parents of the one who would become known as John the Baptist. I would love for you to look with me in your Bibles. We'll have it on the screen or whatever medium uh, you're using to look in your Bibles today. I want to invite you to... Keep them open, because we're going to be looking there uh, quite a bit today. And this is a longer passage, and so rather than reading it all at once, we're going to kind of work our way through this story today. So their story starts in Luke chapter 1, beginning to read in verse 5, and this is what it says. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Folks, Zechariah and Elizabeth were Godly, righteous people. They were people that cared about their relationship with God. Zechariah was a priest. He served faithfully in his priestly ministry. He would have done that for decades. And um, even his wife, Elizabeth, was from the priestly line of Aaron. So what Luke is telling us here in, in describing them this way, that these, these were, were not just uh, you know, religious people. They, they doubled down on religious. They were, they were double, triple religious people that cared about their relationship with God, that cared about knowing God and, and praying and being close to God. These things matter to them. His wife Elizabeth, also from the priestly line of Aaron, She's kind of like my wife. She grew up a daughter of a preacher, and then she went and married one. And Elizabeth, kind of the same thing. Um, probably like my wife, she was probably more holy and righteous than her husband. Um, but Elizabeth and Zechariah both, they followed faithfully God's commands. And so they were servants of God that followed him without blame. And you guys, if there was anyone, if there was ever anyone that deserved to have God's favor upon them, it was Zechariah and Elizabeth, people that put God first their entire lives. They deserved to have God's favor on them. But they had two strikes against them. First of all, the larger scale problem is that they were a part of God's people, a people who were frustrated and defeated and conquered. I teach uh, Old Testament survey quite a bit over at Indiana Wesleyan University, and and we study these kinds of things a a lot. God's people had been conquered again and again and again. You know, first they were conquered and carried off by the Assyrians, and, and then the Babylonians took over, conquered them and the Israelites. Then the Persians came and conquered them and the Israelites. And then the Greeks came. And now we find them being conquered and subjugated under the Romans. They were frustrated. They were a frustrated people. And Elizabeth and Zechariah would have longed for God to move big during their lifetime. But the second strike against these two, these two people that if anyone deserved to have God's favor on them, it was them. The second strike is that they were childless. Now, folks, many of you know this already. In this day and time, uh, it was a man's world. We say, you know, some people say we're still in that kind of thing. We're getting much, much better. But in that day and time, in the ancient world, it truly was a man's world. A woman had one major job. Of course, they took care of the house, and they did things around the house. That was, that was the culture of the day. But their one main job was to provide a child, and more importantly, a male child, to carry on the family line. And that's what they were supposed to do. And Luke tells us that they were unable to have a child. And he even goes so far, he's a doctor, uh, he even go, goes so far as to tell us why, it's because Elizabeth is unable to conceive. Biology. Biology is against her. She can't conceive. And oh, by the way, on top of that, they're very, very old. Okay, not old like I'm old. I mean very, very old in the ancient world, especially. Um, In the ancient world, I would be like, you know, it's like the equivalent of 90, I think. But um, they were very old. The point is, they were past childbearing years. So they're not having children one way or the, one way or the other. And um, so biology was against her. So there would have been shame and embarrassment. These things would have been heavy on Elizabeth. She even talks about the shame later on in this, in this passage. We'll get to it in a, in a moment. Zachariah also would have carried that shame on himself. You see, he was a priest. His father was a priest. His father was a priest. Guess what? His father was a priest. You get the idea. Zechariah, you're supposed to do your part, you're supposed to carry on. We need you to bring us another priest. And so it was on both of them. These were people that would have prayed for God to restore their nation for God to send a Messiah, for God to move in their lifetimes to restore Israel to its proper place, the way that it used to be, you know, back in the days of King David and King Solomon and things like that. They wanted that kind of thing. But I think also, probably for decades, they prayed for a child. God, somehow, do this thing. But I wonder if that prayer had slowly died over the years. Elizabeth is unable to conceive, but they, they must have held out hope, maybe for a long, long time. They held out hope and, until the years began to tick by. And biology and time collided, and the dream died. It's moot. We're too old anyway. Elizabeth and Zechariah would never have a child and there's heartache and there's despair and there's confusion and they must have asked why have things happened this way not only for us but even bigger for our people why have things happened like this well folks we might not have Zechariah and Elizabeth in our nativity sets and we may not even think about them normally during this time of year But we share this in common with them. We know what it means to be disappointed, don't we? We know what it means to deal with prayer requests that, for whatever reason, don't seem to be answered. We serve God and we're faithful and we try to do our best to follow God with all of our hearts and with all of our lives. And yet still, things get difficult. One thing that comes into my teaching and preaching often is I talk about my father-in-law, Dr. Art O'Dell. A man that if there ever was a person, we Wesleyans like to talk about sanctification and entire sanctification. If there ever was a man, and Bob knows, if there ever was a man that was that, it was my father-in-law. Who served as a minister for decades and then as a pastor to missionaries for, Wesleyan, uh, for Global Partners in the, in the Wesleyan Church. Traveled all over the world in his later years when he should have been retired, but he traveled all over the world to minister to missionaries, to be their pastor. If there was ever a guy that deserved God's favor, it was him. And yet, he got cancer. And it wasn't, uh, well, there's no such thing as easy cancer. But he suffered. And there was great pain. And it was awful. God, why? Why why did that happen? Some of you know those feelings. Why can't I get ahead in life? Why won't my job work right? My career is stalled. Why, Why can't I get my relationships to work out? Why doesn't my husband or my wife, why can't they act better? Why don't my kids do what I think they should do? We understand pain and heartache and disappointment. We understand these things. We have this in common. Why is it that we can't find happiness in life? You know, and there might be some of you, you you don't necessarily, um, at this stage in your life, you're not thinking about God as much. Maybe um, you're someone who tries to be a good person. I'm I'm a good person, right? Why doesn't it work out for me? Why is it disappointing? We need to continue on because there's another part of this story. In Luke chapter 1. Now we're going to start reading in verse 8. In verse 8, we're going to read verses 8 through 10. And this is what it said. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot. In other words, his name was you know basically drawn out of a hat. Probably not a hat, but his name was drawn. That's what that means. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all of the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Now folks, you have to understand Zechariah was a, was a priest. He was someone that would have served faithfully in the, in the temple. He was a regular uh, he had regular hours that he would have gone and, and done all kinds of different things. But when you read this and it says he was chosen by Lot to go in and burn incense, he went into the holy place to the the incense altar and he went there to burn incense you were chosen by lot your name was drawn there were so many priests in that time you got to go in and burn incense one time your entire life if you were drawn you could be a priest for 50 years and never get the opportunity to do this so when his name was drawn to go in and burn incense folks this was the big show This was likely the culmination of his long priestly career. I mean, this was the tip-top. He wasn't going to get any higher than this. And so his name is drawn, and so he gets to go in, and he gets to do this thing. And I, I I can just imagine, I'm kind of seeing... Uh, Zachariah in my mind's eye as he goes in to burn the incense whatever that looked like maybe there's the incense is a powder maybe you pour it on the altar whatever that looks like see he had all he had smelled that incense before but it was outside he smelled it when it wafted out the door but now he's burning incense in the place himself this is special this is big i can imagine him pouring that incense on there and oh man i've smelled it from far away but <coughs> Ooh, it's strong Ooh, but it smells good <coughs> and as he poured the incense and as he experienced that aroma that aroma that literally went up to god he would have prayed He would have prayed for his people. He would have prayed for Israel. He would have prayed the traditional prayers, asking God to restore his people, asking God to send the Messiah, asking God to deliver them from the Romans, asking God to restore them to their rightful place where the entire world would know who God was and who the people of God were. And he would have been praying like that in the midst of that place. And then we continue to read on. It says, in, uh, starting in verse 11, it says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born." He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So as Zechariah burns incense, suddenly this angel appears before him. and He's afraid. Folks, everybody's afraid when angels show up. Well, except Mary. Doesn't say she was afraid. And I can't read that whole section about Mary because i got to leave it for all the other preachers. I joked with them that I was going to preach everything. I was going to preach the whole Christmas story. I was going to steal the whole thing. No, I'm going to stick right here the best that I can. But when angels showed up in the Bible, people are afraid. What's the first thing angels always say? Fear not. Do not be afraid. And so he's afraid. The Bible often says angels show up within their clothes are like made of lightning. They're they're bright. They're scary. They're big. But also, there wasn't supposed to be anybody else in there. That's the last thing that Zechariah was expecting, that somebody else is going to show up in this most holy place. But the angel shows up. And it says, he's standing at the right side of the altar. So, the right side is the place of favor. If you're you're in the king's good graces, the king says, stand on my right side. The Bible says that Jesus, when he was crucified and then he rose again and he returned to heaven, it says he sits at the right hand of the Father. Gabriel stands before him at the right side of the altar. That's why Luke mentions this. He comes with the favor of God upon them. This is not a rogue messenger. He comes from God. And so Zechariah is startled and terrified. And and this angel says, your prayer has been heard. And then he goes on to say that he's going to have a son. But then Gabriel shares the details of the boy. We just read it, but I'll just just look at him again. Um, He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's going to turn the hearts of parents to the children, disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So he describes the kind of person that this son, John, was going to be. By the way, John means Jehovah is gracious or Jehovah gives grace what that name means. Zechariah had served as a priest his entire life. Now think about this for a second. He had been someone that followed God his entire life. He grew up in a household even before he was old enough to serve as a priest. His family, his home followed God. Zechariah would have known the entire law and the prophets and all of the writings that the Hebrew people considered the word of God, he would have known all of those things. Not just what book to look in, he would have known them by heart. He would have known all of the prophecies of the Messiah that was to come. He knew all of these things. But this angel isn't just describing a special child. Catch this now. The angel is not just describing a special child. He's describing something more, something bigger, something greater. He's using language that probably had Zechariah thinking of the words of the prophet Isaiah. Where Isaiah prophesies about a voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And the angel Gabriel is using this language. He must have been thinking of the prophet Malachi when Malachi says in chapter 4 of that prophecy, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents. The angel isn't talking about an answer to a prayer for a child, folks. That prayer had likely died decades ago. Remember, biology and time had collided. To kill that one? Folks, this angel is talking about a Messiah who is going to come. He's talking about a prayer that's bigger. He's talking about an answer to prayer that Zechariah would have been praying as he was burning that incense. God, come. Restore your people. Bring the Messiah. Bring salvation to your people. This is what the angel is talking about. And by the way, this prayer for a son that maybe Zechariah and Elizabeth had let go a long time ago, that was the icing on the cake. God said, I'm going to give you a Messiah. That's what's going to happen. Oh, and by the way, your son, this one you prayed about, I heard that prayer too. That guy, that son gets to be the one that's going to prepare the way. The one that these prophets you've heard about your entire life, that's your son. Can you imagine what Zechariah must have been thinking in that moment, the excitement that he must have been thinking in that moment. You know, at first glance, when we read this story, we might think that this is a story about Elizabeth and Zechariah getting a son. And it is, but it's so much more than that. This is about it's the story about how God provides a way for his people. He provides strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, as the song says. The Messiah is coming, the angel says. And Zechariah must have been excited. But, But then he also remembered the pain and the disappointment. And the fact that he's been praying for both of those things. The bigger one, the Messiah to come, he'd been praying for that his entire life. His dad talked about praying for that his entire life. He heard his grandfather talk about praying for that his entire life. And so Zechariah doubted in that moment. Well, we got to look there. Verse 18. So the angel says to him, this is going to happen. This is going to be your son. He's going to bring people back. Verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel... How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, and I can only imagine... I'm reading from the NIV. It doesn't have any exclamation marks. I can only imagine they were there in that moment. And the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. It didn't take that long to burn incense. Why is he still in there? But when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. So we have this moment where he doubts, and the angel did not like it. Gabriel got mad. Now it doesn't say mad, but I think he did. Gabriel didn't like that. He disliked it so much that he had to pull out his credentials. He didn't tell him his name beforehand. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God every day. Are you kidding me? Do you know who I am? I I work for God. And he sent me to tell you this. And when Zechariah arouses his anger, or at least this exchange, it's because he's asking this. I know you told me those things but is God really good for that? Could God really do that? I mean, we prayed for this for a long time and nothing ever happened. And if I'm doubtful about the one who was to come to prepare the way for the Lord that you said is going to be my son, if I'm doubtful about that one, if I'm not sure that's going to happen because we're so old, then how's the Messiah going to come? He'd been praying his whole life, and the angel didn't like the possibility of a doubtful testimony, I see. And instead of Zechariah walking around and doubting the Lord, you imagine if that doubt had continued after he left? Zechariah, what happened? Well, I saw an angel. Oh, what happened? Well, the angel said that we would have a son. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth. Yeah, the angel said that we would have a son and, and that he would prepare the way for the Lord. But, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Really? I mean, we've been praying for that. I mean, look how old we are. I don't know. The angel didn't like the possibility of a doubtful testimony. And it's better for Zachariah in that moment to simply shut his mouth. And so this is what happens. Well, let's continue to read. Verse 23, it says, When the time of service was completed, he returned home. So he's, he's going home now, he's done serving. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. That's, that's not unusual. We do that the, you know, when, these days. So, you know, a woman gets pregnant, you kind of keep it quiet until you, know, you show or whatever. So that's what they did. And, and, and she said, verse 25, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Remember that? That disgrace that was upon her? God has taken this away. And so, we have God working in this way. She rejoices in what God has done for her. Now, I'm not going to read this next part i got to leave it for the other pastors, <laughs> for the other preachers. But we have Gabriel. Gabriel's busy in Luke chapter 1, also in, the, in later too. He, he goes and visits Joseph too, but he's busy in Luke chapter 1. And now he goes to a young girl named Mary. We know Mary. She's a part of our nativity set. We know her. And he goes to Mary, and he speaks to her about a plan that God has. And you know that plan if you've been in church at all. If you've not, he tells her that you will bear the Son of God. He'll be the Son of God and he will be the Messiah. He will deliver his people. He will sit on the throne of David. In other words, he's going to be the one that's going to be the king forever. And you're going to bear that son. But what does Mary do? Does she doubt like Zechariah? No, she doesn't. But she hasn't. She does ask a question. But it's a different kind of question. Where Zechariah had said, how do I know that God's good for that? How do I know that that's going to happen? In other words, how do I know you're not just pulling my leg here? Mary asked a question about uh, method, basically. She says, how is, how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. I mean, how, how's that going to work? Her heart was right. She believed. She's just curious. And the angel Gabriel tells her, you'll be you know, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and, and so on, and this will happen. And what does Mary do? Well, okay. If you say, no, she says, let it be unto me as you have said. And so she believes what God has said for her. She believes what God is going to do. Well, let's read a little bit farther, because I love this part of the story. I need to turn my page here. At the time, okay, let's see. Uh, Verse 39, at the time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth was her relative. We're not sure exactly what the relationship with some of it was, but some of the older translations might say it was her cousin. The point is they were related in some way. And she went to see her and listen to this, verse 41. When I get I'm going to get excited here. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She's filled with the Holy Spirit twice. She's got got an infant in her womb, Elizabeth does, that's filled with the Spirit. And then when that infant hears the voice of Mary, the mother of the Messiah, he leaps in her womb, and then it says Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Boy, you could say she got a double portion of the Holy Spirit. I think that's pretty special. Folks, this is just a little side note. If there was ever a place in the Bible that speaks to the sanctity of life, it's right here. This tells us that an infant in utero, in the womb, is filled with the Spirit, has a spiritual life, has a spiritual dimension, even before birth. It's life, it's precious. God is working in his life, even in the womb. I love it. Folks, this isn't John the Baptist. He's going to become John the Baptist someday. This isn't John the Baptist. This is John the fetus, okay, that's, that's happening here. And he's already filled with the Spirit. I love it. Verses 57, starting to read in verse 57. I'm going to pass a little bit more here. And it says, um, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby... Now it's, it's come. The time has come for, for this to happen, this thing that, that has been coming. And it says, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to, her son, to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. That's what you did. But his mother spoke up and said, No! He is to be called John. They said to her, probably, it was kind of like, hey, woman, why are you talking? They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. Give me something to write with. He calls for, well, he didn't call, but he asked for with his hands. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was free and he began to speak praising God and all the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wonder, wondered about it asking what then is this child going to be for the Lord's hand was with him. Folks, this this story is not about a childless couple who was blessed with a baby. Though that's a wonderful part of it, that's not the point of it. That's the icing on the cake. It's about God going above and beyond. Zechariah's words remind us that his story is about God saving and redeeming his people. Now you'll notice in this moment when Zechariah writes on the thing, his name is John, His, his mouth wasn't open when the baby was born. His mouth was open when his testimony matched God's moving. That's when his mouth was open, and he began to speak. And what did he say? we got to read this. Listen. His father, Zechariah, verse 67, His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. He doesn't talk about the son first. When this child is born, And his mouth is open. He talks about the hope for all God's people in that moment. And then he gets to prophesy about and to his son. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Folks, this is a story about God doing greater things than just bringing a child to a childless couple. What do we do with this awesome story? We can certainly relate to the frustration, the pain that comes when things don't work out the way that we thought they should or that we had hoped or the way that we had prayed. But in the same way that Zechariah rejoiced in the salvation that God was bringing to his people, we can rejoice to know that God has provided salvation and his son Jesus for our souls too. In that moment when Zechariah is prophesying about what God is doing for the people of Israel, he's prophesying about what God has done for us through Jesus. I'm going to leave you with a few thoughts related to this story. And the first one is simply this. Folks, when it comes to praying, when it comes to the things that we're asking for, God's blessings come in his time. God's blessings come in his time. God gives us the things that we need, and he answers our prayers in his timing. I'm so thankful for my wife, Sherry, sitting right here. Um... We, this March will be 30 years that we will be married. Wow. Where did that go? And we went to Indiana Wesleyan University together. Two of her roommates married two of my roommates. Okay. Um, She's the one that introduced Bob and Cindy Burchell to one another, by the way. So that's kind of cool. But um, we almost dated one time in college. And I, I was a very needy and a broken person. A lot of emotional brokenness there. And I always thought, I need somebody. I need a relationship. I need, to be, I need to be serious with a girl so that I can be okay. That's what I have to have. And we almost dated one time. I almost asked her out. And I praise the Lord that that didn't happen because in God's timing, my prayer of, Oh, Lord, I, I want to have, I I have a girlfriend. I want to be able to get married someday. My prayer for that, God said, You know what, for that, for that young lady, not yet. And I'm so thankful because I would have surely messed it all up. But it was a little while later when we got together after we had graduated and things were right. Folks, God answers prayers in his time. My message for you today is keep praying That thing that you pray for, that thing that you're trying to ask for, keep praying for that thing. Don't give up. And like Zechariah discovered, God is good for it. He'll come through and keep praying, keep trusting, keep moving ahead in your walk with God because God is trustworthy. Let me tell you another thing that I know is that God's blessings bring glory to himself. When God answers prayers, he does it so that his light is the one that gets to shine. He doesn't bless us so that we look good. He blesses us so that he looks good. God likes to show up and show off as the saying goes. He loves to answer his prayers in such a way that his power and his love are on display for the world to see. The only way that could have happened is that God did that. God loves that kind of thing. The message for you is consider how God might bring glory to himself... Through your life and your story? How might your answered prayers show the world who God is? Keep your eyes on that truth. Another important point, folks, is that God's blessings are always bigger than our asking. God's blessings are always bigger than our asking. At first glance, again, we might think this story of Luke chapter 1 is about Zachariah and Elizabeth and a surprise baby boy. It's not. It contains the miraculous and amazing aspect. That's, That's true. That's there. But it's so much more. It's a story of God's redemption for his people and for us as well. A baby boy for those two old folks, that would have been wonderful for them. But it would not have been enough. That wouldn't have mattered to us. But this prayer for salvation for all people, that touched our lives. How many of us today are praying prayers that are too small? Some of you are praying that God will take care of you financially or make your spouse act better or whatever it might be. He cares about those things, and he will deal with those things. But so much more than providing for your needs in the here and now, he wants to provide for your eternity. You want to save yourself from some trouble, and God wants to save your soul. Listen, God sees your needs. The Bible's clear about that. But he tells us in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and forever. He sees our needs and he provides for us, but he wants to do so much more than that. He wants to give us peace and hope and assurance. Those of you that already know God, and I know that that would be most of us in this place, He doesn't want to just save you and get you to heaven, as important as that is. We can't just be looking ahead to some place out there. God wants a life of abundance and hope in this world too. Don't just be saying, well, when we get to eternity someday, we're in eternity. Did you know that? We're already there. And God is here. And God is at work. God wants to do good things in your life right now. So let's not just pray about making it to heaven. Let's pray about growing in faith and holiness and the fullness of all that God has for us right now. I want to invite you to bow your heads with me as we close this morning in prayer. Lord God, I thank you for the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth Thank you for what you did in this amazing story. And that you brought a son to these people that there was just no way biologically that was going to happen. That was a tremendous miracle. But God, you did so much more in that moment. Because by bringing that son, you were bringing the Messiah. Thank you, God, for this. Lord, we know what it means to be disappointed and discouraged. I pray now for any in this place, any that are watching online, either right now or even a year from now, if you're joining us online, this prayer is still for you. God, help us to live in the light of what you've done for us through Christ. Help us to live in the reality of that you are with us always, and you care about us. And God, if we're praying prayers that are too small... God, help us to pray bigger, to trust bigger, to know that you've got great things in store. Lord, I pray now for any in this place that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. God, that you might draw them to yourself. Maybe there's some people that just want things to work out financially, or they want some of the stuff that they're frustrated with to work out. Maybe that's their prayer, and God, you want to save their soul, and you'll take care of the other stuff later. If there's anyone in this place, I won't take a long time, anyone joining us online that doesn't know the Lord. You don't know him. We're talking about hope and and assurance and all these good things, these religious things, and you don't know about these things. But man, you would like to. You would like to have peace in your heart. Christ wants to come into your life. What a time of the year to do it. Is there anyone in this place that would say, I want to know Jesus. I don't know him right now, and I want to know him. Is there anyone that would just raise a hand and say, that's me, and raise it up high so that I could see it, and we'd love to pray with you? Is there anyone that would just say, that's me today. I want to know him. If you're joining us online and you want to know him, you can pray a simple prayer, even in your own words. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving yourself so that I might have a relationship with you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me brand new and come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I don't understand everything about this, God, but Lord, do this work in my life. And I thank you for it, God. Lord, I want to pray today for believers here that have been praying prayers for a long time. God, encourage them today to keep praying, keep hoping, keep trusting. Remind us again that you are good for it. We ask these things, God, together in your name. Amen. I'd like you to stand with me now. Receive the benediction. And now to him... Who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is as at work in in us, that is at work within us? To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Folks, you are sent out in the light and in the presence of our God, who is able to do even more than you can ask or imagine. Go and ask and imagine bigger, and trust God for it.